Hey, music lovers, the Cannamom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lampkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N Guitars.com. Hey, man. Yo. Uh, You're live. Happy uh, weekend. Uh, new piece over here in Cannabis Legalization News. And Miggy's got his old trusty piece. But uh, what we're going to start doing on the weekends is mix it up and give us some, uh, what do they call that? Activism, right? Right. It's the whole reason why we're here. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's right. And so uh, the activism piece is a little bit different than what we do on Wednesdays, because on Wednesdays, we'll talk about cannabis legalization news. And we have somebody from the industry who's got a business come on and they talk about what's going on. Uh, there, but I think that's only like half of it. Um, there's a lot of activists that have actually gotten us to that point. So on the weekends, we wanted to have what were you? What were you? Uh, what's the working title that you have there, Mickey? So I like the uh, uh, which one? The cannabis conversation or the high high noon? Oh my doing? gosh! Or the and holy holy high? On our first on our first one, we can actually welcome one of the activists of the hour, uh, Weldon Angelos. Weldon, right on, how are you? hey, thanks for having me. Dude, no such a pleasure to meet you, dude. On our, our first episode of Cannabis Conversations, where we have an activist that comes on and explains his story and what his mission is now in the uh, in the cannabis space. He's more than an activist. He's also a fucking POW, man. He's that's true. I mean, you can just it doesn't take much to be an activist. You just have to be passionate about it. But you literally are a POW from this war. Yeah, definitely. Um, I have a, a you know tragic story. Um, that led me to my activism, but I feel like, you know, it was for a purpose. Um, I was given a unique platform and I want to use that platform to, to get as many people out as possible. That's great. And when you say as many people out as possible, what do you mean out from what? From prison. Um, you know, my, my initiative, I just launched an initiative called Mission Green and our sole purpose is to get POWs out of prison. I mean, we're focused exclusively on cannabis offenders. So, those are the people we're bringing home. Do you still hey. work with uh, people that were, because uh, I mean, f dude, uh, like long time ago, you know, I'm just a guy who volunteers a lot. Uh, the Human Solution International was one of the ones that uh, I helped in like grassroots beginning. And I always thought I liked their mission because they promoted jury nullification and, uh, uh, you know, putting money on guys' books, man, because uh, that's the one thing. That's how they win is when your story gets not told, right? Like uh, plenty of people, uh are in jail right now with no family or get forgotten about you find out who your real friends and family are, right? Definitely. You definitely do. Um, and I, and the human solution, I remember them. Um, you know, they, we had a lot of communication when I was in, so they were uh, one of my supporters. And the other ones that you, do you work with when you're now that you're out with mission green, right? That's the project. Uh, mission green. Yes. That's our initiative. It's an initiative of my nonprofit called the Weldon project. Oh, man. Weldon Project. So you guys are raising money, specifically you're marking it, to get people out of prison that are serving for cannabis. Now, when you got sent away to prison, uh, can you explain that a little bit and how the three strike laws uh, play into that? Yeah. So um, in the 90s, early 2000s, I was working in the music industry. I was working with people like Snoop Dogg and Tupac Shakur's recording group. Um, and I'm also from Salt Lake City, Utah. And while I was working in L.A. doing music, I was also bringing these people into Salt Lake City, Utah. And that sort of put the uh, crosshairs on me with local authorities 
um, who we later Why found out. Uh, I mean, it's Salt Lake City. Just, it, well, they looked at me like I brought Ebola to Utah because I'm bringing, you know, these gangster rappers out here and I'm, I'm kind of making a name for myself. Um, you know, the got moral a career piety of the uh, Mormon church was coming down on you pretty hard, huh? Exactly. So um, we later found out this was their thinking. And it wasn't necessarily like the federal prosecutors. This was like started with the local authorities and then it worked its way up. Um, and they looked at me like, like, you know, like, and this is coming from people in the know that said they looked at me like that. And this and hip hop, my involvement in so-called gangster rap was, you know, the main motivation to uh, target me. And so they sent, they sent a confidential informant to purchase cannabis from me because I was involved in cannabis. Obviously, you know, it was part of our culture. Yeah, um, it was nothing. It's too in the state over. To, oh, hey, yeah, it was nothing. I mean, yeah, yeah. We we created, we made a, we made a video with Snoop Dogg called "Little More Dope to Smoke," and in the video, we we're like all smoking weed. We're on tour, and it's nothing everywhere else. But you what come year? here, and they you don't want. This is uh 2001 and 2002. Yeah, and, it was a different time back then. Well, especially in Salt Lake. But yeah, in Salt Lake. But even then, in California, like you know, this is nothing. Like you know, Snoop and them, they had so much weed all the time. Like we were just you know living it up like you know i mean we wasn't we weren't hurting anybody or anything but yeah. you know to, to the local authorities in utah they you know they felt differently so they they use this as an opportunity to try to bring me down um they sent an informant someone i had grown up with as a, as a uh, juvenile oh. um he came to me he purchased 300 dollars worth of cannabis three times okay after the third time he started acting funny asking for guns pounds of meth just weird what don't call me anymore i'm done i'm making money off my music this is when my album drop was snoop dog and i got another album i put out with the late mac dre so i got checks coming in i don't need any other money so it's like i just told them to quit calling me um and eventually they needed something else they 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 were trying to get immunity for this informant they needed something else besides the cannabis because three a uh, 900 worth of cannabis ain't enough to get them federal immunity well, authorities were trying to get him huh. federal immunity so they went to the federal prosecutors with these three cells they turned over the case file gave them everything in the file i have a copy of the file they turned to the prosecutors nothing in there except these three weed cells and that's it so the federal prosecutor from our record show they went back to the local authorities like this ain't enough so they went back to the informant re-debriefed him and this time he re remembered new information that wasn't in the original police reports at the time of the cannabis cells they took those details the so-called oh there was a firearm in the area in the vicinity during oh, these the transactions firearms i hate when they do that they get anything they can yep so then Isn't they that and I was afraid. I've never been in trouble. I'm a legal firearm owner. I got guns in my house and my gun safe. So they raid me. The, the The gang unit comes in, arrest me, and they they get my safe. I got legal guns locked in the gun safe. Um, they know they he never seen a gun. He just said that, and, and they knew I own guns because I'm a legal firearm holder. So they use that to corroborate the two. I say I'm not guilty. That I'm going to trial. I win. I end up facing 105 years at trial. Uh, I win some, lose some. You know, I was facing 105 years of mandatory prison time in addition to, you know, other counts. Uh, we end up getting it down to 55 years, if you can think, consider that getting anything down. But, you know, we knocked off uh, 50 years of potential punishment. And 50 um, so you know, years. 50, they lead 55 on years. They mandatory. set you up and then they come in with 50 years of your life over your head. And they expect yep. you just to say nothing. That is... That is crazy. How old were you in, man? Um, I was in 13 years. And um, 13 years, the judge who was forced to sentence me was against the sentence. He said, this sentence is ridiculous. It's cruel, unjust, and irrational, but my hands are tied. So he says, I call on the president to commute your sentence. And the president was Bush at the time. He didn't do anything, of course. Oh. We didn't really expect him to. So when Obama got elected, we were like, okay, now we got some action. We got this recommendation from this conservative judge um, who ended up stepping down from the bench because of my sentence. You know, he felt that messed oh, up over shit. having to give me, you know, people in my life. He left the bench and he became uh -huh. my advocate. And so when Obama got elected, we uh, we got other people. Senator Mike Lee became a big advocate for us. Senator Cory Booker, Senator Rand Paul, Senator Orrin Hatch, Senator Patrick Leahy. All these senators started talking about my case on the Senate floor. President Obama asking him to uh, re immediate release me, um, immediately release me. Um, Senator Mike Lee was the biggest one, though. And then, uh, you know, out of nowhere, the Koch brothers came on board and they started supporting me. They um, Koch met brothers, with my family. Yeah. Yep. Even the, the Koch brothers. Koch brothers. The I mean, Koch yeah. brothers actually able and they met with my sister. They actually paid for my kids to fly out and 
see me because I ain't see, haven't seen my sons in years because I was incarcerated in Southern California. My kids are in Salt Lake City. Um, so yeah. I've only seen them like, like twice since I was in prison, that whole 13 years. So they flew them out there like three times to, to visit me while we're, you know, trying to get President Obama to commute my sentence. And, you know, out of nowhere, this this deal happens. My attorney gets approached and there's this, this deal was negotiated for my release was because of all the public pressure we had senators we had celebrities like alicia keys posted my um you know my petition online we had bonnie rayett asking the president mike epps um you know a bunch of different actors and musicians were asking and snoop you know snoop dogs on my side so we had all these people asking the president to commute my sentence so you know they were using me as a poster child the white house was at the time so that if they let me out right away then the the momentum for the criminal justice reform bill dies so they kept me in prison a little bit longer just to try to pass the um just to try to pass the bill um and wow. and so you know they end up negotiating a deal where you know the um they the senator mike lee was advocating with it and then they end up negotiating a deal where i would get time served um they filed a motion in court the judge immediately granted it. I was released immediately. I was out uh, two days before my son graduated from high school. Man. Dude, so, um, you know, it's just overpowering how, how much bullshit you've lost and uh, uh, with time. And, and, and that's why we're here, right? We're uh, uh, keeping this conversation going. Uh, Tom wrote a book eight years ago, 10 years ago, right? Uh, uh, it was 2010. That's yeah. where we first cross path yeah tom, yeah tom tries to go through the legal like aspect you know and you being i mean i, I mean i could just first off the shock you of, like up. you it's found it's guilty like aspect of it all yeah just like you're gonna grow old like that that shock i can imagine like how long before you're like i need to start fucking reading some legal shit like because law oh, the day one system. day one I didn't waste any time. The day I got, I didn't sit there and play like everyone else was like having fun, trying to watch, you know, playing dominoes, trying to enjoy themselves. I did that here and there, but I buried myself in the books and I created this campaign, this bipartisan coalition. Like I had nothing when I went in there. Once I lost my pills, it was over with. I had no people coming to try, hey, let's try to get you out. It was over with. So I reached out to my sister and was like, I need you. I need you to be the face of my campaign. And I started a whole campaign from behind bars and it resulted in this bipartisan group of over 115 individuals that were all influential. Some were prosecutors, some were former U.S. attorneys like Janet Reno, um, and some of them were the former FBI director. Um, uh, his name was uh, William, uh, I don't remember his last name, but he was a former FBI director and he came on board and helped me. Um, so we had like this group of 100, it was like 120, and they were comprised of influential piece, pol- uh, elected officials, um, former elected officials, law enforcement officials that, you know, really fought hard to get me out. And, you know, it took 13 Wait. long years. And, um, you know, when I got out, um, you know, I hit the ground running. I started advocating for reform. I worked with Van Jones um, to pass criminal justice reform. It took three years. Um, we finally passed the First Step Act. And the First Step Act fixed the statute that got me 55 years. And so yeah. we're at the White House prison reform. Stuff, but we're awesome. all happy. Like, this is yeah. I'm thinking about it, and I get a message from my friend Luke Scarmar for a dispensary, nothing but a, a medical dispensary. And I'm looking, and he's looking, and it hit me. This is good, but what do we? Where do I stand now? And I'm like, damn, the First Step Act doesn't even help you. It gives you maybe seven more days off a year. That's nothing. We need to get you out. So I, I reached out. All these days off. So what, yeah, I mean, what it was the, a good time fix. So. Well, the, this, the first step back, though, was some legislation that passed. And now I think they're on to the next step back. But let's explain the first step back a little bit more okay. for the uh, for the viewers so they understand what laws at a federal level that you helped to change because you were unjustly ground up in the criminal justice system for some weed on a third, what, third strike? Well, the, the, the way they did it is I had no priors. I was a first offender. They just took okay. these charges that were mandatory and they stacked them like they would a, a three strikes type provision. It's like that because oh, instead of so like, getting, it was like the first pick, like the, you were, you know, a clean record, but because they ground you through, they're like one, two, three, send this so guy So what they did here. was they stacked my sentence. So usually you get one charge and it's a five-year mandatory minimum. It's your first time offender. Then you get in trouble and come out and get again. Then they give you a 25 and then a 25. Instead, they stacked them all in the same 
indictment where I got five, 25, 25 in one indictment. So I basically got three strikes in the same indictment, which doesn't make any sense. That is bullshit. Yeah. And the prosecutors can't do that anymore. The first step Act fixed that. That was one of the main reasons why I was so passionate about the first step Act because Senator Mike Lee called this the Weldon fix. And he wrote this law that would, that created, so no, they, no one could have their sentences stacked anymore like that. And there were th- three other provisions in the first step Act. We got rid of the um, three strikes for drug offenders. That's gone. Three strikes and you get life. That's over with. We got rid of um, the, these enhancements that give people that double their prison time for for a second drug offense. Um, so the first step Act did do a lot of good. Um, it made the crack cocaine uh, retroactive um, and, it, and it fixed the good time laws. It did a lot of good. Um, and we helped pass that. We were happy about it, but it didn't do anything for pe- the most deserving group, which is the cannabis offender. Well, let's talk about, that, um, about Luke, because like you said, um, more bullshit on top of that is and for you, Tom. Uh, Luke is also his partner, his code, uh, the defendant, whatever. Ricardo. Ricardo yeah. is, is released. He got he got. But Luke yeah, I wrote his petition to Obama. No, I wrote the exact same petition for both of them to President Obama. I was in there with Luke writing this with him. I got out, mm. I finished it, and we submitted to the president. It, he granted Luke or granted Ricardo's and left Luke in there with no explanation. They have the exact same case. I wrote the petition, they were identical. Well, the boy, um, Luke had a couple minor law my ass. There. You know, one person sits yeah. behind bars, the other one goes free. Same damn facts. Yeah, go ahead, bro. Oh no! So this is this was the motivation after we passed the first step act. You know, I work with all the with a lot of celebrities in the entertainment industry and a lot of political figures. So I like I'm on a text message basis with Mike Lee. So I got all these connections. I'm like, why don't we put these together and create an organization that goes after the release of pure cannabis offenders? Like, if you if you're in there for pure cannabis, we want to get you out. So we formed this uh, this nonprofit called the Weldon Project, and our first initiative is Mission Green. Mission Green is seeking to get clemency for any for cannabis and we're using all of our celebrity connections and political figures and we're working with those in the cannabis industry who really care about this that are going to fund this initiative um and so that's really uh, you know because first, this is this sounds like it's a uh, uh, do we know how many people we're talking about how many people are, are currently serving time uh because of this plan and then yeah well those numbers you can't if you're get. talking about the state or federal, yeah, federal or state is different. Like we have some numbers let's, in the federal. We don't have like an exact count, yeah. but we, yeah. we 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 have like a list of people in there for cannabis. Let's so, and right now we're yeah. starting. Well, yeah, we're starting federal because you know that's I have you know all the connections of the people I was in there with that are helping me compile this list of people, and you know, and since I have connections to the White House, we're actually going. Uh, in November to to meet with the president's staff, and we're going to hand him this letter that's signed by celebrities, political figures, uh, cannabis entrepreneurs that are asking the president. Can you get the to identify? To it? I mean, like it's. <laughs> I, I just don't know if you're right. going to get any anything from that guy that's in the office, unless like it's like yeah. it's a birthday card for you, sir. Please sign here, and everybody's going to be happy. Well, right. I think because he's well, got the power. That's the thing, right? It is right. Well, we're, we're hearing different, though. We're hearing something with this, and we're hearing that he is he is willing to to end prohibition. Um, serious? And, you know, yeah. So I mean, we went there. He's t- said that every time we've been there that he will sign any legislation that ends prohibition. So wait, um, you're saying like you're getting representations from the Trump administration's uh, people that are saying that if you give him a bill, he'll sign it. Yeah, and he's even said it publicly on on the news that he said he will send a bill. And you get to his desk, um, the banking bill, like the banking bill, make three. He will sign that. Yeah, yeah. Now that's got. Uh, yeah, he will sign that. Well, I think. Yeah, that's, that's we're hoping. That's because cannabis is is just uh, uh, more popular than any twenty twenty candidate. Period. Like weed will win right. this thing. Yeah. The thing is, if you're on the smart side of things, you're gonna like uh, uh, anything. It, it's kind of like what I do with my activism, right? Um, I don't care who the fuck you are. I support you no matter what. Uh, if your problem is weed, um, that's a problem because uh, every case that has to go through court is a uh, a blight on our justice. It's a fucking uh, uh, it's some bullshit. It's just. It's when my kids uh, leave the house, you know, I don't trust my fucking America, you know, and then that's where uh, if we were to fix this fucking rule, it would make our world better, period, our, our America. That's this is the one fucking thing we can do. This is the one thing that would fix people's lives. Like you would have your boys back. You would have had that time that you didn't lost. Uh, you know, Craig Cecil fucking he lost his dad and his son. Uh, I mean, there's so many more atrocities that happen because of the fucking law 
that if we were to fix this, this would be the one thing that would make America great again. But right now we got so much bullshit. And, and, and as far as the, uh, uh, the the government, that's why I was talking to you, uh, Weldon, about like as soon as you got into locked up and you're getting into politics uh, here in Washington, we don't have home grow. And I, I've learned how hard it is to actually pass a fucking law. Like, like, how is it easier to put a person behind jail than it is to fucking just correct the situation where we're like, uh, okay, if you're locked up for weed, it's time to come on out. I'm sorry about that. Our bad. I don't. There's yeah. got to be a time. Yeah, it's easier to get elected off looking tough on crime and saying you passed all these bills to yeah. lock people up. Um, you know, and it's times are changing now. You know, right. you, that, that's not people aren't going for that anymore. People aren't that stupid. Um, and they and they they're, they're done being told these lies about cannabis, how it does all this to you. Everyone knows now it's safer than alcohol. Yep. Um, and, yeah. And 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 it, it's better to legalize it and to you know end all the wasteful spending on locking people up and harassing minorities over this plant. That's um, right. You know, and look, my, my life was taken over nine hundred dollars worth of cannabis. Thirteen years of it. You know, yes, I lost thirteen my father, years, nine hundred dollars, and it's it, it's those dumb Mormons. And I'm sorry, I, I'm I'm going to be hating on organized religion, but it's the whole. I have a moral authority over you because you're bad, because you have hip hop, and because you have cannabis. Well, also, I win because I have super Jesus and underwear and you go to prison and lose 13 years of your lives. And then that this whole bullshit, I'm so good thing goes straight up to the, the, the prosecutors, too. And it's like, oh, no, we're coming down so hard on him. We're going to go three strikes in one pitch. Oh, well, that's that was lawful because being tough on crime meant that being like you know using something was a crime so it just when you're legislating morality and that's your approach to treating addiction in america is to say that it's illegal and it's a crime to be addicted to something it's it, right and the thing here is it was three consensual acts it was three consensual acts between two people and it wasn't like you know he we were sending something that he could overdose on this there was three consensual acts and and the, and the cannabis didn't yeah. even reach the public consumption like so the, it was the worst it part was, about it was it, was it wasn't taxed yeah. right cuz like if we're doing a a transaction right now and I'm selling you moonshine that's still illegal right i'm selling untaxed liquor great tax it sell it make sure it's pure give the money back to the kids what the hell some judges, some judges are actually looking at this like like when they're sentencing uh, defendants for cannabis cases now in the federal system, some judges are saying this should be treated as like untaxed cigarettes um, rather than a criminal uh, case. You know what I'm saying? So, and yeah. I agree with that approach until we get some kind of legalization, like full legalization. That's not a bad approach to deal with this on the federal level. Treat it like untaxed cigarettes. Um, yeah. I think well, that would be better than sending them to prison and giving them the felony. Cause I got a felony. I got a felony right, now on my record. I never go away without the president. So, um, but I want to, I want to talk back about the president again. Um, I know the president has only issued about, you know, five commutations, but he did it in his first two years in office when no president has done that in modern history. Every president waits till their last year in office so they can't be held accountable if someone does that and gets in trouble. So I'm hopeful that this president will act on our request. Um, I feel like, you know, it's, our letter is not controversial. I don't think anyone could look at people like Luke Scarmazzo and say, oh, he shouldn't be released. It's a hypocrisy to allow the, the, for the federal government to allow people to make millions of billions off this plant, but you're keeping the select few individuals in prison for doing the same thing. That's, you Great. know, that's hypocrisy. Yeah, it's finest. And I think, you know, I don't think the, these these easy cases are the, what we're asking them to do now. We're seeing identify these individuals who would no longer be charged today because of changes in federal and state law and policy. And if their state's legal now and they're doing something or they were following state law right. at the time, get them out first. Let's like, get them like out. Lance Bloor, right? Would he be? Yeah, like Lance Bloor. Lance Bloor is a perfect example as well. Lance Bloor, Luke Scarmazzo, um, Aaron Sandusky. Those and people John should have never been arrested Knock. in the first place. Have you ever heard of this group then too? I it's, have. Uh, Freedom Grow? Yep. I work right. with Freedom Grow is a partnered organization with my Mission Green. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, yep. They're one of our partnered organizations. So these individuals are low-hanging fruit. The president could easily grant their clemency and no one would say a peep about it. In fact, he would be praised for it by both sides. So um, we're asking him to start with this easy group and then work its way down. And yeah. then maybe it'll send a message to Congress saying, hey, you need to put, you need to fix this in your legalization legislation. There has to be a provision that releases these individuals. Oh, yeah. You're going to legalize yeah. it. Like we can find, okay, that's fine. The banking bill is separate. But before I would say no banking bill without relief, but I get it. We need to start with this banking bill because it's a key component to ending prohibition. So let's get the banking bill done because that'll yeah. help 
That'll make it easier to legalize. So yeah. let's get that out the way. But the next bill that legalizes it has to provide relief for people in there for cannabis. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's something that the Illinois law is actually doing a fairly good job of addressing because it 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 speaks to people that have been impacted by the cannabis prohibitions and how they're going to be empowered through the companies that are now coming online. So some of the financial money that you guys need to raise to carry this out should be earmarked in these companies that are actually forming right now across the state, because this is one of those things that the the bill that's allowing these people to get cannabis license in the state of Illinois was designed to fix. So if there's some way to kind of tie that in to your overall business model and also your you know, like your mission statement and the culture of your, your cannabis company in Illinois, it's going to go to help push you know you guys even further uh, toward that finish line. And I can't believe that you have spoken to Trump, uh, well, the Trump's administration through your people, and that he was actually like indicating that he's going to sign that. So that was one of the biggest questions that I had with the Safe Banking Act when it passed in the Congress, like by a two to one margin. Well, would Trump even sign it? He would. Yeah, I didn't and think so that, that, and that's what a lot of people don't know. A lot of people don't know that that Trump would actually sign this, and he's indicated publicly. You can Google it. He said I'll sign. He was going to sign uh, Corey Gardner's bill. Yeah, that was know, one uh, of the things that I did. Like you know, he so, made this public comment like uh, in September. Like you know, we're we're allowing states to legalize, and we're gonna we're, we're looking at it, and we're allowing it. Well, and it, so it used to be political suicide. Now it's it's common sense, right? I mean, we this is what we fought hard for. It's to be at the point where. It's political suicide not to support uh, justice, not to support uh, this proper transition and helping those serving time or for something that I can go buy at a store, for something that I have right now that I went down the street and got that 11 states have proven this is not the thing that they, they were taught it was. And this is why I find the law so frustrating. Like, it's not so much if it gets to Trump or not. I mean, to me, it's a matter of like, when this shit's going to fucking happen? Like, you know, if Trump could write a letter that just said, all right, here's I mean, I, I, Tom, you're a legal guy. How does this work? Could he just say, all right, you know what? I'm going to tweet it. All right. Anybody in jail for pot is free. And then, like, you start. I don't know, I don't know How does that fucking formalities. Work? I'm not sure if a tweet from Trump saying anybody with a cannabis, you know, these people on this letter will walk free. I don't know, but like, no, well, you know, well, let's say this. I think Trump, more Trump official than that, you know. With the tweet. Trump yeah. got the first step back passed with the tweet. He tweeted to Mitch McConnell to get this done and passed, and you know that's what it took because Mitch McConnell was actually gonna uh, Mitch, delay Mitch the first step back. On Twitter, you expect me yeah. to believe that? Oh, yeah. He's on Twitter. Um, Mitch McConnell is the only yeah. problem right now that we have with everything we're trying to do. Is Mitch but he's McConnell. the champion he's of hemp. He's the champion of hemp. And this is something that I'll talk about with Miggy on on the show. I'd be like, Mitch McConnell creates the most cognitive dissonance in my head out of anybody in the Senate because he single-handedly made industrial hemp. And then yet he's holding it up because of this Delta 9 THC. What the the F, Mitch? Look at the the, uh, groups of people who are running the hemp farms and the people who are, you know, trying to get in the cannabis industry. Um, and one thing I wanted to note before we get too far is that, you know, since I launched, launched this initiative, you know, we've had a lot of support from the cannabis community, um, companies like TerraTech, which owns the bloom dispensaries, um, Kush bottles, um, famous farms. Um, you know, uh, there's a couple other companies, um, Henry's original, um, weed maps. These people came together and have supported us and flower one, um, and even Kaliva. Kaliva just came on as one of our founding sponsors. But what's very, um, you know, depressing about this is that the, the is what we're getting from the rest of the industry is, you know, they don't want to be a part of this. Like even the billionaire, the first billionaire, Boris Jordan, I sent him the letter to sign on his name to this letter going to Trump to say he supports the release of these people the, who, whose stories enabled him to make his fortunes in the first place. Yeah. And he won't even answer. He don't. He just looks at it and just keeps pushing. Like, so these people that we're letting in the industry now, like, like the former congressman who was against every cannabis law, trying to keep everyone Bader. locked up, gets out. And now, not Boehner. There's another guy. Now he gets yeah. out. And he's a he's a part of this major company. Oh, so you got all these was, uh, He was the boy of can't not cannabis. Well, there's another one now too. Yeah, 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 there's another one now. Yeah. All right, there's another one besides Boehner from Maker Told. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and the thing is, is like we're letting these people who are you know anti-cannabis, you know they're they're again they're like completely. 
you know, the opposite of, you know, our culture. They're coming in and they're just running things. If you look at like the top elite of the cannabis industry and look at the makeup of the industry, like it, it, we really need to do something with our laws and the social equity um, because, you know, a lot of these cannabis companies, like I, I can show you right now. Are you familiar with uh, what they've done in Illinois and how they're going to like, you're not going to get a cannabis license in Illinois without social equity. I heard that. And Michigan, I believe, too, is doing some stuff. But I can show you a message I sent to Boris Jordan, the billionaire, and he read it. And I asked him just to sign my letter. I asked him just to sign my letter. I don't know if you can see that. His little face shows he looked at it yeah. and he won't even answer me. It's like, I'm not asking you for money. I know you're a billionaire, first billionaire in cannabis, yeah. but he won't even say it, put, let him put his name on the letter saying that he agrees these people should be released. So, and and a, lot, a lot of other cannabis companies, the big ones, won't even like, uh, won't even, don't even want anything to do with it. Yeah. And it's like, those are the companies that, you know, I want to go after because I feel like these stories like Luke's and like mine and these other compelling horror stories are what enabled them to make their fortunes in the first place because these help these either help move the needle in favor of legalization or prompted um ballot initiatives and legislation to actually yes. legalize it in the first place and then you're going to turn a blind eye to them that's uh, to me that's bullshit so no you're right dude you're absolutely right uh freaking uh i i, I blame the consumer too we we have a disassociated disassociated freaking culture uh like here in washington state when uh there was medical first, which was its own culture at a time. And then it became recreational. And you see these new fuckers coming in, new money, big money. Uh, it, it takes big money to be a part of this uh, uh, recreational industry. So uh, there, there's a lot of issues with safe banking act will really help it become more like a pizzeria and less like, you know, you're trying to raise money for something that's illegal, like a casino, because when you have to self-capitalize, self-fund, you really create a huge disparity between who can get in and who can't yeah yeah and and you got the, the groups that are involved you got foreign money coming in canadian and uh, israel i mean it so long story short it's all getting muddled in like you guys uh i mean your story i mean you definitely deserve like props and fucking people should be coming to you throwing money at you like a fucking stripper and then saying okay you know thank you for fucking, you know, helping other guys too, because you know what, I, time. like you, I, you were a, like you were a POW of the actual war. Where's your memorial? You know, yeah. I mean, like the the United States was fucking wrong, and but it, it was your life that they took. I mean, that's they, we're not done yet, though. It's not legal. So, like that yeah. fucker who doesn't want to sign that paper, let's hope he fucking does something that like the government will go after him, freeze his assets, and, and, you know, and then who's gonna stand for you then? Right. I'm just saying, right. like, if people don't stick together, it's part of the reason why there's a tweet not being done or letters not being signed. It's because everyone's like, I'm good. I'm good. I made money. I'm fucking stepping out. Yep, I'm exactly. fucking done. Uh, you know, it's not like you were fucking a smuggler and then you fucking retired because you're good, made a shit ton of money. And then, like, you know, I'm done making noise. No, right. you're fucking riding off of fucking people who are serving time, like Craig, like Luke, like fucking Richard. I mean, the list is. Longer than my dick. I mean, it's fucked up. Yep. And this I was, is with, not I was America. in there with him. I was in there with him, like um, even with Luke. And so I know everything when he emails me and tells me all the bullshit he's still going through. I remember, remember what it was like to have to have riots and they lock you down for a month and you you have don't have your email or your phone or you run out of money and you don't you can't even communicate with your family. I know everything about being in prison. Yeah. So when Luke like, messages me, like I feel bad, like and I and I'm. I was going to ask you about like so your commissary dollars. What? How do you allocate? Because you got to raise money to find the guys to get them out. But while they're freaking sitting in there, uh, you know, man, that's harsh. I mean, like here's so another thing. Right I'm, doing. I'm sorry. I mean, that's that's great. Yes, yeah, that really I'm doing for that. So part of part of our initiative, once we raise our capital that we can actually operate. We're going to be giving money to, to Freedom Grow so they can put money on the books. Like, we don't want to step on their toes. That's what they do already. And they helped me when I was in there. So, instead of going and finding these guys and putting money on their books individually, we'll give it to Freedom Grow and Freedom Grow can put it on their books. Um, but another thing that I'm working on doing is I'm creating my own cannabis line um, for the POWs. And a, a, a percentage of the profits are going to go directly to them, however they want to use it. it can, they can put it in the savings, they can put it on their books. But my cannabis line, is going to guarantee that profits from here go directly to the POWs. 
That's pretty badass. Are you uh, um what, what what like an actual strain or what are you what what kind of thing? Yeah, I'm creating my own cannabis line, and we're gonna have it's gonna be one brand. It's gonna have three different strains under it, and I've and I'm naming them like you know solitary haze, convict Kush, oh, or something shit. like that <laughs> after the POW. So it's gonna be like a pal cannabis, like POWs, and it's gonna be you know, and the money's gonna go to individuals like Luke. Like you know, I'll take profits, and I'm gonna go and stick it directly on his books. So because when you're in there and you have right, money like, in your books, you, great, you can at least flip. Yeah, like you can at least a small cannabis business. It's not like the big like MSOs that are the billionaires of cannabis that just you know big, big cannabis in a Budweiser or something. You know, that's going to be a craft grow your brand, your small business. That's what cannabis should be, you know. Yep, exactly. And and I just I just know how much life is better in prison when you have money on your books cuz then you don't have to worry about you can, you can call your loved ones whenever you want. Well, at least within the 300 minutes they give you, you can email them whenever you want because emailing costs five minutes um, and you can buy food. So you're not hungry. Prison doesn't give you enough to keep you full. They keep you, they feed you enough to keep you alive and that's it. So you have to buy yeah. your own food. You have to buy your own clothes, shoes, everything. So when you don't have money in there and you're serving a long sentence, life's miserable. But when, I, I know how it felt to, to, to get a few hundred dollars thrown on my books by this person, that person every month. It felt really good. Like, oh man, I'm I go straight, son. So you know, I'm, I'm yeah. creating this brand, and hopefully, this brand will be out within the next three months, where I can actually start giving back to all the POWs. While we're fighting to get them out through my Mission Green initiative, it'd be you know, I'm working on this line with a couple people that I work with in the industry, and awesome. you know, hopefully, I'll be able to start putting money on their books uh, quickly. Hey, well, well, and I don't mean just like I mean a lot of money. Yeah, but let's learn on the license because I can't. I love to buy that Kush, man. I'd love to buy, but I can't because the state lines. So you get that stuff out, and then you let me know if we need like some type of licensing agreement so we could bring that strains to or uh, those that type of small business and fundraising for these people to other states because you can't track your weed you out of state. You're in Illinois. I'm in, yeah, Illinois. Right. You're in Illinois, Miggy's in Washington. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, yeah I, want, I want to go in other states. I don't want to just be limited to California. Um, I would love to go out there. I mean, we're actually thinking on going out. To, I'm going to Chicago to speak uh, on March 9th and 10th um, at there, uh, the Cushing and Acquisition right. Conference. So I think right. Jay-Z will be there, too. I'll you be guys should think there, uh, Cool, yeah. I'm supposed to be on a the oh man my my life kind of sucks because i'm like always between two different places so you know just getting bussed around a lot so uh i might have to go like chicago's got a pretty darn big cannabis conference but like all those big billionaires are going to be there on tuesday and wednesday of this week at uh the palmer house hilton and they sponsored our well they gave me a couple of tickets to go and then we, we we've promoted their uh their their conference for bazinga or benzinga and um so yeah i'm there a lot um but cool dude let's let's work on that and get you uh, and get get them more help i mean it's it's a really valuable yeah. thing and then that's like they've they've actually put that in the application because when you're getting scored for your application in Illinois, they're looking for what your community outreach is and how you're actually reaching out and helping these social equity applicants. You know, these people that were disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs or actually arrested for cannabis. I think so. What's the status in Illinois now? And application already- season. Our first application okay. season is underway. So dispensary okay. application season. And uh, in a couple of months, the state will start taking their apps. And then January 1st, uh, it's totally legal. But, you know, there won't be any new players until next year. Hey, so, like, I mean, <clears throat> raising funds is really important because it does go to the quality of life of the prisoner. And, um, you know, I know after your 13 years, uh, besides just basic toiletries and shit like that. You're, you're in a shitty living condition, uh, surrounded by, I guess, America's sociopaths, right? I mean, uh, well then can you, can you address to the, like your experience as far as like you see the most fucked up people come through? Like, I mean, it's bad enough. You live in, like I'm from like in Southern California where I'm from Oceanside, like seventies, eighties frame, you know, you, there's always crazy. There's always homeless. There's always a, mentally diseased but you have your home to go to your safety net your place but you being in the fucking prison and that's being your fucking neighbor how, how, how does that mentally for you i mean i'd imagine you have ptsd bro 
Like, there's got to be no fucking yeah, way. Yeah, 100. I do it, and not just from the prison itself, but from all the trials, the appeals, all the mm. stuff they put me through. The trial was trial yeah. for sure. I got it just from the trial alone. But yes, the prison conditions are crazy. Prison, the the prison system is the biggest ghetto in America. Um, and you know, you're in there with the worst of the worst, but even at times the prison guards were worse than the inmates. So you have to deal with these crazy prison guards who are just vindictive. They come in there and they just want to harass you. They want to shake you down. They want to get an excuse to lock you up. They want to de-dignify you. They want to talk to you in a way that, you know, that, that that most, you wouldn't accept on the streets. So they know they got the, they got the power, they got authority over you and you don't want to lose communicate with their family by good going to the shoe. So you just like, um, so yeah, I, in there where the prison, you know, there there were some good ones in there. I have to give credit to the ones that were actually good that care yeah. for the most part. There there was a bunch of crazy seals in there, just as much as the inmates. And and yeah, and the inmates are yeah. crazy. You got people in there you know, that don't care, that got life. You know, I was considered a life alone because when you got life, yeah. people are like, oh, this dude doesn't care. He'll do whatever. So there are people in there that don't care, yeah, and they'll they just life. Somebody. He'll bite you to dick. Watch out. <laughs> so but, so but, people hey. in there with life. Like they don't care. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like every day you, you're on edge that if you do something wrong, you, you can create because if you bump into the wrong for person some reason, in a fight, then everyone fights. Yeah. But like that, that gets back to the stupid moral opprobrium crap that we have in our country where we believe that that is them paying their debt to society by being exposed to the real animal nature of people being locked in a cage yeah. and made to fend for themselves. This is rehabilitating somebody for a crime. And the okay. crime was consensual. And the only thing <laughs> that was really a crime was that there was no tax collected on the sale of this cannabis. It just boggles the mind of how cruel we are and how stupid we are. And that we continue to do it to this day is terrible. So that's why we're going to go to a crime, question. Go yeah, ahead. The only, the only okay. crime first of only crime, you know, the illegality of my actions. That's the only crime. Um, right. So like I think, yeah. it, it's like, did, were you ever just like, yo, dude, it was only weed. I'm only here for fucking weed. Like, can you just like chill the fuck out? Like, I mean, you can't, yeah. they, they don't see you as a yeah. human being. Yeah. What am I supposed to do yeah. in there to rehabilitate yeah. myself? I agreed to sell some cash. Do I need? Yeah. I don't need any real vacation. You're just in. They're strictly Uh oh. Uh oh. Well, they might need to reboot. Uh, you know what it is? It's probably the man. It's probably the man being like, hey, they're telling too much truth. Hey, Weldon, are you back? Yes. You moved. Yeah. You froze for a minute, brother. Oh, wait. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. You're good. Okay, cool. Hey, we do got a question from Aria Life, though. Uh, Weldon, how can I get your contact information? I want to know more about what you're talking or what you're taking to D.C. Oh, you're like legislation. Um, yeah. Yeah. Re reach out to us on uh, the WeldonProject.org or on Project Mission Green on Instagram. That's our social page. Mission Green on Instagram. Awesome. I'm going yeah, to have to start Project Mission them. Green. Yep. At Project you, Mission Green. And our, the our Project. The Weldon Project. All right, let's bring that up. Right on. I just uh, copied and pasted it in there. Are you on uh, Wi-Fi, bro? Are you? On? Me? Hopefully. Weldon, yeah. Yeah, I'm on Wi-Fi. Yeah, I'm on Wi-Fi. Your signal was strong for a minute. I think we got passionate about shit because yeah. uh, how fucked up the guards are. Right. And, uh, <laughs> it was like uh, we we, it, we think uh, the government's oh. trying to stop you, man. That's right. We're, we're blaming the man. We're definitely yeah, blaming the man. Um, they're they're clearly bugging everything on this. They have to be. And um, so there, that's that's the website. I just wanted to bring that up real quick. Here it is, Mission Green. Uh, yeah. yeah, cool. And then you can. Get in touch right there. Awesome. Yep. And cool. then our, oh our my gosh, Instagram is at, at, yeah. I'm trying to see what's my next for you, brother. Yeah. Oh, right on. Um, okay. Is that better? Cool. We can hear you. That's the important part. Yeah. Okay. Your audio is good. <laughs> that's the that's the important thing. Okay. Let's see. If so then what is the next uh, event for uh, Mission Green? 
so the next event is going to DC next month. Um, you know, going to for everyone outside the White House and hopefully meet with members of Congress. Um, we want to get people on board with you know our initiative to free people, but we also want to you know show our support for legislation. And and that first one, obviously, the banking bill. Um, I know you know we would want some kind of uh, relief in that bill, but I know it's just not possible right now. And we need that banking bill to pass. You know, that's a key component right. to ending prohibition. So I think, you yeah. know, that's like the first step. Once that passes, I think we're, it's, it's inevitable. Well, yeah. Imagine that you have this industry that's really being run by people that can graze a lot of capital. So the uber wealthy. And yeah. then you now make it bankable. And so you can access uh, credit. And I mean, think about your average craft grow or, you know, small indoor grow operation or your uh, regular dispensary. I mean, it's no different than any other retail store that you may have. You can go to a bank, you can get a loan. You know, it, it, it helps you be able to have regular insurance because it's not a, a crime as much anymore. I mean, it's it's really going to open the industry up to a lot more new players and bring down the barriers of entry because you're not going to be having to find that guy that's got a million dollars in the bank account to go into business with them, you know? Well, people, it's fear, people fear big marijuana. And that's why I think, you know, more people have money. People with money don't want to go to jail and they'll fucking layer that fucking law. You know, that's, I think, like you said, just another step towards legalization, just like the hemp act was the hemp far bill, I think helped us hundred uh, oh, percent. Man, that was definitely. something else, but that's that the hemp bill is basically just roiled the whole system because now it's pretty much impossible to get popped for cannabis anymore, uh, at it least is. in this state, Illinois, because like you, the crime labs cannot tell the difference between uh, THC and THCA and the amounts. So if you have industrial hemp and then you have, you know, illegally grown marijuana, the crime labs can't tell the difference between them. The dogs can't tell the difference between them. So they have these terrible problems of proof and it can be entirely lawful uh, industrial hemp and the state's only looking at Delta nine levels. So like you grow some mad dank, there's no Delta nine in like really well-grown cannabis because it's all in the THCA form, you know? It might be like 30% THCA, but if it's like 0.3 or less percent Delta nine, it's technically industrial hemp in this state for this year. It, well, and so uh, I saw you on the Mary Jane, and uh, you didn't smoke with him there. Uh, are you not smoking anymore, or is it just kind of? I would imagine just fucking thirteen years, dude. Thirteen years in a little fucking box with with fucking <laughs> shitty neighbors. That's all I can say. Like I couldn't imagine the psychological fucking like yeah. nightmares and shit that you still go through, brother. I mean, it's one hundred percent why Tom and I met. You know, like uh, uh, just people that were speaking out about this shit, but yeah. like, well, I, I, have, I have a job where I had a job at the time that, you know, um, you can't smoke. So. Oh, okay. Reasons for that. Yeah. No, I just was curious, dude. I mean, like, uh, uh, for me, I mean, like you said, back in the day, it was between consenting adults. Like, uh, uh, if there was like this multiverse shit going on, you'd be fucking not having to worry about money. Like Tom and I were talking about like your success would have been, uh, oh, yeah, uh, I had, had I had multi-million dollar deals on the table. I mean, I was already with just with the projects I released, I would have probably equaled a, mil, a couple million dollars at the end of the year. I released an album with Snoop that I owned 100%. Oof. And I didn't, once I got arrested, it was removed from the shelves. It was out for like oh. a couple months. And what? Was like, yeah. Mm -hmm. what, was that so, a federal um, thing? How did that fucking work? Well, the feds went to the distribution company and they were like subpoenaing them and everything. So they just decided they to drop the album. With. They were just fucking with yeah, them. Yeah, they were doing that. And the fact that yeah, they, so they uh, got out. Oh my god! I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead, bro. Yeah, so they, they just dropped my albums from their shit from their catalog because of the, the issues with you know the feds were over there subpoenaing them to testify against me at trial. They were looking through their records and they didn't want to deal with it, so they dropped the albums. Um, and you know, ha had everything went through successfully, I had an album with uh, Tupac Shakur's protege Napoleon that was coming out with the unreleased Tupac song. You know, we were I was getting ready to go work with Eminem. We had your, your world was like uh, going, like you had plans, yeah. you were oh, getting calls. Going. It was looking bright. It was very bright. You know, I had a, a documentary with Snoop coming out at that time. And I had albums back then. Albums sold a lot of money. So yeah, I would have. There wasn't no millions. downloads. And shit. A, or there was. Very yeah, we had, we had yeah. offers on the table. And it's just so once <laughs> they once I went to trial, it was over with. It just took everything. But you weren't even selling for like fucking like I, I used to be a street dealer, man. Like like when I was in college, 
uh, the weed I sold was just a smoke paid for my weed, you know, like that. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Or whatever else I happened to come across that I was accepted. But like you said, consenting adults, like you were like, hey, bro, this the fact that a friend set you up. It, 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 you weren't fucking slinging. You weren't fucking trying. I mean, the fact that there was shake, right? I read it in case there was shake at a home. But like, I, here I am sitting yeah. in the plant. I mean, it's fucking just a yeah. Dead they, they, well, they tried saying we had a lot of backpacks and duffel bags. They said all that could have held. They said there was residue in each all bag, and I know it was a lie. There wasn't residue in every bag. There might have been a piece of shit, man. They were trying to whatever could have been in the bag could. to the fullest extent of the law. That's that's exactly what it was. The fullest extent of the law. And that's just that just sucks that they set that system up and then they rewarded that. People built their careers on putting people like you away yeah. for their lives. And we give them like a fucking pension and a Rolex at the end. No, they got re they got awarded for my case. My prosecutor got an award from the attorney general. Oh he got an award and it, it had my name on it. It said for uh, the successful for fucking Weldon. Yeah. Oh and the, the lead case agent in the local on the local level who actually set me up in, in altered police reports. This guy altered police reports for his informant to get him immunity and added that gun crap that was never in there in the original police reports. We got both versions. His name's Jason Mazaron. He got promoted to the police chief of Midville oh, in Salt County. So you so can that totally piece of shit is now police chiefs a fucking police fucking chief. talking yeah. about cannabis. Because that's who's the number one person that's always standing in your way. It's usually law enforcement. They're always like, oh, I don't know about this. You know, well, yeah. then watch him like yeah. fucking try and get in the license because Utah is turning and watch him fucking try and get in the weed business. Oh, okay. It's medical now. So they yeah. got the medical here. Oh. The, uh, yeah. It's January 1st. Yeah. Um, application season yeah. in uh, in uh, Utah now, too, I think. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, so they, 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 they made it here where you can't get in if you got a felony or if you've ever been yeah. if, like had me friends with the law. So they made it really tight here mm. on some bullshit. Um, but hopefully that changes. We're going to be working. I helped advocate for the passage of that medical cannabis act just Good so work, people i know who need medical cannabis actually have That's access right. to it without having to worry about going to jail nice. yeah 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 and you're in la right not at the moment but yes we're out oh. of la oh right on i uh because tom and i weren't sure and i thought you were on the west coast too uh i just want to i'm high too <laughs> oh yeah you you <laughs> the guy who's been ripping right. mad bulls all episode or time <laughs> <laughs> like I, I can get sidetracked in a second, like oh, shiny object. <laughs> but uh, right on, dude. Uh, uh, what's next for you, dude? Like uh, um, you got the project going. Uh, you're going to DC, uh, and any, and then you got the thing in Chicago. Yeah, and then I got my documentary that's yes. wrapping up right now. We've been, we've been shooting a documentary for three years. You know, we've had various people attached to it, including Mark Wahlberg. And now we got Kevin Garnett, the basketball superstar, executive nice. producing it. Our director is Mark Levin, um, and he's award-winning. Uh, he won, like, four Emmys already. Um, and it's an amazing documentary. Like, it's, you know, turned into this amazing documentary with the docuseries spinoff. Um, and I think I honestly believe this will be up for an Emmy because it's very powerful. And, um, you know, we got some good material we shot in the White House. You know, nice. we, we got material with, you know, Snoop. Me and Snoop went to South by Southwest. We shot that. And we just got some powerful interviews. We got my prosecutor interviewed, his boss. So we got all these people that are just. Are, are they upset? Are they, do they have any hint of like, are they, do they feel like they did something wrong or. I've been apologized to by everybody involved in my case. Oh, they wow. They literally apologized to me, my, including the man who prosecuted me, apologized to me for like 10 minutes straight. Um, and my prosecutor's boss apologized, even though he's not the one that actually made these decisions, yeah. he apologized for not having enough courage to stand up and try to do something about it. He was a young U.S. attorney. He was younger than all the prosecutors there, had very little experience. He was a political pointy, so he apologized as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and you know, coming from him, you know, it, it was I, I appreciated it. But the guy who actually did it, it's still taking me some time to accept that. But, you know, I'm free. I'd still be like Luke in jail because I doubt Obama would have granted my clemency. So it's I appreciate, you know, everyone that actually came together to make sure I got out immediately. Damn. I mean, 13 years later, damn. <laughs> just, yeah. mm -hmm. That's that's what a process pisses me off, man. Because, I mean, I'm sure, like, you were right on it right away. Like, hey, we got to figure out this. Because with Lance Gore, I don't know if you're familiar, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I watched this case, dude. I watched the trial. I was actually at the thing, and uh, 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 it's justice is fucked up because um, I was like, oh, if it's just weed, this is clearly going to be done with, right? And the way he got 
found guilty was uh, the cop went to his dispensary, uh, got turned around because he didn't have a medical script, went out, got a script for a bad back, he's an old dude, came back, got entered in, made three purchases, and fucking walked out. And that was the evidence beginning of, or uh, probable cause for him uh, to, for the raid and shit, like the deeper the investigation. Because, Why would that be probable cause if it was a prescription? And see, that's what I'm saying. So here's here's the thing, right? Uh, uh, here in Washington, there was this group called Westnet. Um, it was a uh, uh, local and some even federal uh, with like, because uh, we're military, uh, we got military bases out here. And so they had a small faction of like military police, fucking, they all work together. And um, they got the evidence that was legal purchased it turned out over to the dea once the dea gets it it becomes a federal thing they're like oh shit we we have to address this like the course of these steps that happened to his being serving 10 years is still when i watched the trial i was waiting for something to happen i even had people cannabis activists contact me say don't support him man because there's other shit it's kind of like what's going on with luke right the there's always this underlying like somebody's throwing some fucking shade on your you know thing but if the whole thing is your trial is cannabis like everything like you're not guilty like there shouldn't be a fucking uh, uh why are we here that's that's all that came to mind when i was watching the trial because people were just like don't don't support him uh there's other stuff involved you know other drugs and all this other shit i'm like you know what i'll go to there i'll see what the how the prosecutor presents the case and if it's like bad if they're like if he's like fucking al capone yeah i'll walk away but throughout the whole time yeah. of five i think it was five days seven days i forget but uh uh it was all weed all legal purchases the testimony was all bullshit like yeah i have a garden yeah. for the lance yeah i read a lot of it and i it, it was just completely messed up um i actually knew that he wasn't going to win the supreme court like a lot of i didn't want to you know uh, you know, be the, the negative person, the pessimist, um, you know, it's because I know his mother and everyone's yeah. supporting him and they're trying to him out. But I knew he, there was no chance of him winning his appeal or Supreme Court. I knew the only chance was clemency. Mm. Um, just given the the, the, pre, the Supreme Court precedent, they were they were never going to rule in his favor. And um, the sad thing is, is that, um, you know, the only way out is through the president. Um, I seen a question come up. Yeah. Someone asked where the doc was. You can go on my YouTube channel, um, Weldon Angelos, and the documentary is called Unlikely Allies. Um, that's like the current uh, working title. It's a short two and a half, three minute trailer. Um, it's on my YouTube channel, Weldon Angelos, and the uh, the video is called Unlikely Allies. I think it's a dope it's title. Three, actually, three minutes, three minutes, three seconds. That's the video. So cool. We'll but yeah, that, so that, we'll, that, put that, 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 we'll put a link to it in the description after okay. the, the show, and then we'll uh, we'll turn this into an SEO optimized web page, and then uh, put a link to that as well in there. Uh, but yeah, man, thank you so much for coming on and sharing us uh, sharing your story with us. It's, yeah, bro. Um, it's, yeah, you know, I think it's tragic. Me. I think it's very inspiring, though, and like hopeful and optimistic now. And I think that, you know, you being that type of business person that you were, then you probably were working your butt off. Uh, you know, even though times were like really good for you, you were still doing more. I mean, like you were putting it together and then just to have it be derailed. And then you got back to it and you like now look at where you're at after 13 years. That's that's very yeah. inspiring to me, you know. Yeah, everything was coming together, man. I had like a once in a lifetime opportunity um, to be in the music industry. Not many people get that chance, right? And they took it from me over some small amounts of cannabis. So. I mean, not only your career and your uh, uh, financial stability, but your kids, man. Like my kids, I watched them grow up from behind bars, from pitchers. Yeah, yeah. I, well, you know, come on, not, music can still be made. You <laughs> are, you're not, you're not an old man. Uh, music changed way too much i'm a i'm from the 90s and I, I know i listen to, like i still like the oakland sound and i can't believe like e40 sound like doing 26 albums deep I'm like yeah it's still good yeah. better. <laughs> uh, but man it's it, the the hip-hops today i don't know where some of it came from like why why does everybody have lil in front of their name what's what's up with that everyone's little oh great <laughs> the little guys don't, are blown up i'm just joking i was just Face tattoos, what surprised me? Face tattoos. Yeah, face tattoos. Like, ones, they got nuts. I mean, like the amount of tattoos now. They're just all over. It's just, it's just ridiculous. But that's me. I don't know. Well, hey, well, we really do appreciate you, guy. Uh, yeah. I mean, I should be bouncing here. Go. I got to go be a dad, too, still. 
clean house. Yep. And I'm going to get right. to get to work on a few projects. But thank you so much. And we're still kind of coming up with like a working title for this. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, he's been pitching the high holy hour. But the point of our our podcast when we do this one is to bring in activists and and POWs like yourself about how are we going to fix this. I mean we're we're where we're at, but where are we going? You know. Yeah. I mean we do a Wednesday business show, but you know. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing that I uh, was talking when I was talking to Tom about was uh, the activist side sucks. Like, you know, I'm working hard not to hear more stories like you, you know, that's but there needs to be more, you know, yeah. and everybody needs to give a fuck. It'd be nice if everybody gave a fuck. But, you know, the more people yeah. that do, the better off we are. Yeah. Yeah. If we get Luke out, he'll be an amazing activist too. And so hopefully oh, yeah. grant his petition. And I think Eric Sandusky's coming out. Like he's got three days yeah. or some shit left. So, mm -hmm. I mean, people are coming out and hopefully they'll share their stories i mean the yeah, we'll ask them to come on we'll yeah yeah, yeah. Well, thanks so much i mean we're gonna we're gonna get out of here get gone with our days but uh people will be able to watch this we'll we'll share it and everything and if you yeah. guys want to get more of these cannabis conversations make sure you like and subscribe